on today's show, the Houston Rockets with arguably their worst or maybe second worst loss of the season against the Denver Nuggets, 120-100. Final score getting absolutely blown out in the first quarter, 44-24. Why do the Houston Rockets keep getting off to such slow starts? What can they do to change those slow starts? Also, why it's not the absolute end of the world that a bad team got blown out by a good team. All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You get somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Lockdown NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Lockdown Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can help the show out tremendously by commenting anything below. What was the bi- what was the most disappointing part of this game, this loss for you as a Houston Rockets fan? Let me know in the comments. I do read each and every one of those every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Now, look, we're going to talk about this game. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about this. Now, look, I mean, this game sucked, but not for a lot. Like, it, well, I wasn't as doom and gloom about this game as I feel like a lot of Rockets fans were. It was not a good game, but. Overall, it was because they just got off to such a bad start early. Like, it wasn't necessarily the entire game was all blah, all terrible. Like, it was, you know, there were some ups and downs, and KPJ had a, you know, decent night. Alpi had a big night, but those two... Those two guys, despite being the two best offensive players for the Rockets, were also the two worst defensive players for the Rockets. So it's like, you give a little, you take a little, I guess. Um... I mean, as far as this game goes, the the game was really kind of decided there in that in that first quarter, and by extension, kind of the first half, um, kind of the complete inverse of what happened in the first matchup between these two teams, right? Where the Rockets and the Nuggets played a really competitive first half, and things looked really good in that first game, albeit the defense on both sides was a little suspect. Then the Nuggets kind of, you know, actually started playing defense in the third quarter, and they kept playing really, really good offense. In fact, their offense turned it up a notch in that first game, in that third quarter. In this game, the Nuggets just came out of the gate strong early, right? The defensive intensity was much better for the Nuggets right out of the gate, and the Rockets struggled. Jalen Green said after the game, when I asked him, I was like, was there anything they were doing specifically to, you know, make you uncomfortable? He's like, yeah, they were pressuring, they were they were running me off the three-point line, I wasn't able to get easy buckets, um, and he highlighted the fact that he needs to, when defenses are doing that, he needs to be more aggressive at getting to the free-throw line. He said, that's, that's how I can get going, right? Get myself going by seeing the ball go through the hoop get you know attack you know make you know make simple reads and you know try to be aggressive and get to the free throw line was kind of his his answer as to how he can get himself going in games like this Kevin Porter Jr. at one point you know in this first quarter of this game was basically like the only guy who could make anything happen for the Rockets I mean he was you know he was basically grabbing the team and just saying all right I'm gonna try to carry y'all and later on Al P got it going I mean he had a you look at the numbers right 18 and 11 
you know, eight of twelve shooting. Alpi had a you know a decent offensive night where when he got when he got his touches, he got his opportunities in the paint, he made things happen. But the Rockets' defense really really struggled in this game, and I actually spent a little bit of time talking to a couple of the Rockets' assistant coaches about kind of you know how the defense around you know is is built to better help Alpi. Um, and that was a running theme kind of going from game one to game two is the guys said, hey, we need to we need to better help LP defensively, right? Like they kind of left him on an island against Jokic in game one. And the execution was a little shoddy here in game two. But the Rockets, you know, added a lot more help for LP in this game to try and, you know, force the ball out of Jokic's hands. Problem is the rotations were just bad. Like, I mean, anytime that Jokic got in the pick and roll with Alpi, or, you know, Alpi was having to guard the pick and roll with Jokic, um, the Rockets have added a ton of nail help. So they have whoever's, you know, guarding on the opposite wing or whatever will help over on the nail, and they are, like, so far away from their man, it's supposed to kind of, like, shut down the pick and roll completely. And there are just times when it works, but then there's also times where, especially when you're dealing with a passing phenom like Jokic, he's able to find the wide open man, right? Or there's miscommunication about who's supposed to close out where or who's guarding who. Um, when that player is helping off of his man at the nail, then you've got the guy who's in the corner kind of cheating between two guys just in case, you know, the pass gets there or that, you know, the other defender has to shut something down. So the Rockets' defense is geared towards helping Alpi, especially in the pick and roll. And the problem is there's times when the perimeter defenders are not rotating fast enough, not aware enough of what's going on, not closing out hard enough. So it, it at times it looks like the perimeter defense is suspect and the perimeter defense is suspect. Defense as a whole for this team is just really rough. And then when they go down the bench to a guy like Usman Garuba, it, imp- it improves drastically. So, KPJ and Alpi had good, strong offensive games, but they were also two of the two of the weakest links for the Rockets defensively in this one, as far as just you know being targeted in pick and roll, rotating on closeouts, all that stuff. So it's it's not something that those two guys can't work on and can't get better at. They both have skill, like they both can be, I think, decent defense. Even in fact, KPJ can be a good defender when he's locked in, like individually, like one-on-one defense. But when it comes to schemes, rotating, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, he's a little all over the place at times. And then for Shingun, I feel like the idea is, you know, a lot of people look at Shingun and think that he can't be a good defender. I think he's got the IQ and the ability to be a good defender. I think sometimes it's about an effort thing for him. Like there were some plays where he was just clearly like an altitude was, I think, getting to the whole team. But there were some plays where he was just clearly not moving, not moving quick enough, not in the right spot at the right time, that kind of thing defensively. Um, And, you know, he was also exerting a lot of force offensively. So sometimes that's, you know, the give and take with a player like that. But I do want to talk about the you know the continued slow starts for this Houston Rockets team. I want to dive into some of the numbers, the lineup data, all that stuff, and I also want to get to like why it's not the end of the world. Like you know, I feel like Rockets fans are you know doom and gloom about this loss. Oh my God, it's you know horrendous. All the they lost to a good team. It's not the end of the world. We'll explain. I'm going to explain why and why you should still be kind of confident, or at least you know encouraged by what this Rockets team has done so far this season, despite the record at hand. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Sweatblock. 
Look, nobody wants to have, nobody feel, likes feeling sweaty, right? I mean, maybe like after a good workout at the gym or something, you got a good workout sweat. That's one thing. But you don't want to feel sweaty like when you're going out to go hang out with friends or maybe you're all dressed up and you're about to go on like a big date or you're going out for a work function, right? The worst feeling is you step out the door and you're outside for five, 10 minutes or, or whatever. You show up to where you're supposed to be at and you start breaking out in in sweating, right? Whether it's nervous sweat or just it's hot outside, right? It's in Houston. We know it's you know super humid. I'm still not back in Houston yet, but I'll be there soon. I mean, look, the way you can prevent, you know, unwanted sweat, odor, whatever, is by using sweat blocks. Sweat block wipes have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 10,000 five-star reviews. They are your key to stopping unwanted sweat, body odor, all of that. So if you or someone you know is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. You can save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. They're also available on Amazon. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I uh, after this game, based on kind of, you know, it was a frustrating game to watch. Rockets got, you know, down big. They stayed down big pretty much the entire time. There was, you know, they were down by as many as 33 points at one point in this game. Um, and it was it was rough, right? It was an it was more or less an ugly affair for most of the game. The Rockets really had to fight for every little possession that they got. Pretty much, seemingly everybody on the roster kind of struggled. You know, Jabari five of twelve, Alpi was eight of twelve, but again, defensive problems. Eric Gordon just four shots, one of four. KPJ eight of eighteen. Um, so KPJ. You know, arguably best player on the team in this game, but at the same time, defensive issues throughout the game. Jalen Green struggling both sides defensively, offensively just 6 of 16, couldn't get it going in either of these games against the Nuggets. And then very little impact off the bench for the Rockets in this game. Like guys who normally come in off the bench and, and you know are the spark or do big things, Like it, it felt like the goon squad was you know largely an afterthought in this game. And a big part of that, is the Nuggets uh, actually were out-rebounding the Rockets, which is kind of a surprise. They were struggling with the size, right? You had, you know, obviously Jokic in the starting lineup. You have Aaron Gordon, who was using his size and athleticism to make things happen on the floor. You had Conchar off the bench for the Nuggets, who was a big factor. You had DeAndre Jordan, who was a big factor in both games. Uh, and Mike Malone talked about that, about, you know, utilizing DeAndre Jordan's size because this is, you know, the Rockets are one of the best rebounding teams in the association. And credit to the Nuggets, they neutralized the Rockets' rebounding efforts, right? I mean, the Rockets, you know, there have not been many games this season where the Rockets have been out-rebounded out by an opponent. And the Nuggets beat the Rockets on the glass 42-39. to 39. And they had eight offensive rebounds to the Rockets' ten offensive rebounds. Not only that, the Rockets just couldn't hit anything. I mean, you know, offensively they shot... 29.3% from three, just 42% overall. It was a bad shooting night. You know, maybe if those numbers were a little bit better, we'd be talking about a slightly more competitive game. Uh, but again, the Denver Nuggets defense did make the Rockets uncomfortable, right? They were chasing off the three-point line, forcing them into tough shots. Whereas on the other end, the Nuggets were getting a lot of wide open looks, right? Like it was, uh, I think at one point Jonathan Fagan shared, he was like, Jokic is doing a good job of choosing which wide open teammate to pass to, which is like, that's kind of the, you know, the breakdown of where the Rockets defense was struggling, right? They were leaving guys wide open because they were so heavily focused on trying to take the ball out of Jokic's hands. So instead of him going off for 30 in this game, he just decided to have 12 dimes instead. So Jokic finished 17, 9, and 12, which is still a really strong night for the big man uh, in 28 minutes of run too, which is crazy. So... How do, like, first off, why do the Rockets keep getting off to these slow starts, right? Like, 
We've seen this time and time again. They get off to a slow start, and then they, you know, mix things up, right? And the the starters, you know, a couple of them go sit down. The bench unit comes in, the goon squad, if you will, and that goon squad is the is the group that has fought the Rockets back into a lot of games. And it's kind of a two part factor here. So first off, the Rockets' actual starting lineup of Jalen, KPJ, Eric Gordon, Jabari Smith Jr., and Al P. is awful, just as far as the net rating is concerned. They have a minus 13.9 net rating in 183 minutes played. That's not good. That's not sustainable. That's a really bad net rating. Um, I haven't, I should have probably pulled up like how that compares to the entire league, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the worst starting fives in the league, if not the worst. So how do you get away from that, right? Well, a change to the starting lineup would probably be the best step moving forward, right? Or at least, at the very least, right? maybe a better early substitution pattern. Like, if if there's some, like, politics going on behind the scene or whatever as far as to why Eric Gordon continues starting because Steven Silas trusts him, he's the veteran, whatever, like, starting a 6'3", two-guard, undersized two-guard at, at that, at your small forward spot and being undersized as a team is not a great, like, strategy for winning games or for at least, like, continuing to put your put your best foot forward, if you will, Right? We've seen what K.J. Martin looks like in the starting lineup. We've seen how effective he can be as a starter. And he complements the other players in that starting lineup significantly better. Because here's one of the other issues with that starting lineup. Nobody moves without the basketball in that starting lineup. Like, Jalen Green is capable of moving without the ball and does a decent job of, like, finding little windows, relocating on the three-point line and stuff. But he doesn't, like, cut without the basketball. He doesn't really move as a cutter. And he's largely perimeter-oriented when he's out there. KPJ doesn't move without the basketball. Eric Gordon doesn't move without the basketball, and Jabari moves without the basketball when he's, like, crashing the glass, but he largely doesn't move without the basketball, but he's, like, stationed somewhere to be a shooter, and that's it, right? And that's his job on the offense. And then Al P just does Al P things, right? He sets screens, sometimes he'll have the ball, but he doesn't really move without the basketball either. If you introduce a guy that is a cutter, right, somebody that can move without the ball, somebody that doesn't necessarily need the ball to be super effective and gives you more size, rebounding, all of that, to the starting lineup, it could be really beneficial, right? So, at this point, even if you're not willing to, like, bench Eric Gordon and start KJ in his place, like an early substitution, right? Let EG play his first three, four minutes as a starter and then sub KJ in or something. But even then, you're kind of still putting yourself in that hole unless EG is hot. Like, if EG has a game where he's, like, on fire like he was against the Pacers and the Rockets went up 25-10 and the Pacers couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, then, yeah, sometimes the starting lineup will look good. Or if anybody has, right, if Jalen's on fire, if KPJ's on fire, if Alpi's finding guys and everybody's hitting threes and they're shooting 50% from downtown, then yeah, of course the starting lineup's going to look good. But defensively, I feel like the Rockets are giving up a lot with Eric Gordon at the three. They're undersized. They are, again, limiting themselves, it feels like, offensively. Um, and then you can even, like, looking down the rest of these these numbers as far as the other lineups that the Rockets run... That starting five is the number one most used lineup for the Rockets. The next most used lineup is actually the Goon Squad plus Jalen plus uh, Dacian Nix. And that lineup has a net rating of just minus 1.9. So almost 11 points better than the starting lineup. And that lineup has a defensive rating of 99.1 and an offensive rating of 97.3. Whereas the net rating for the starters is a defensive rating of 124.0 and an offensive rating of 110. So it's not like the offense is, like, bad with the starters. It's just they're giving up so much defensively, and they're so bad on defense, 
And even then, even sometimes the offense does look a little clunky because guys aren't moving without the basketball. You go even further down the lineup data list. Let's go to the next one. The next best lineup is KPJ and Jalen plus the Goon Squad. That lineup, 46 minutes played, has a net rating of (gasps) 0.1. A positive net rating in 46 minutes played. They are a 106.1 offensive rated team and a 106 defensive rated team. And then you go even further down and you have, I, I think this lineup is the one that is, you know, one of the, the the ones that you're looking at and you're like, oh my goodness, well, you know, play this lineup a bit more. Um, in 33 minutes of run with KPJ, Jalen Green, KJ Martin, Alper and Shingun, and Tari Eason, actually of all guys, uh, has a 31.5 net rating. Defensive rating of 87.7 and an offensive rating of 119.2. Granted, it's really tough to take anything of like super super huge note with all these lineups like in, you know, south of 50 minutes because the sample size is so small. But at the same time, I think you can look at it and you can see, okay, there's there's a track there's a trend here, right? Where the defense just becomes considerably better with the goon squad on the floor. But then the Goon Squad also really thrives and needs one of Jalen or KPJ because when you have just Dacian Nix and Eric Gordon out there with the Goon Squad, it doesn't it doesn't work nearly as well. And I that's going to be t- terrible trying to track down where that lineup is because there's so many different lineup ch- chunks here. I should have I should have tracked it down before I like queued this up. Um, but the the Goon Squad lineup with Eric and Dacian just doesn't feel as successful as the one where it features Jalen or KPJ by themselves because then the offense goes through that guy exclusively and at times it can look a little clunky um, as pointed out by the you know lack of offensive rating on that lineup but at other times it can look really really good and it also kind of forces that player whether it's Jalen or KPJ to get those reps without necessarily taking reps away from the other guy so the Starting lineup is an issue. Whether or not that issue will be addressed by Steven Silas, whether or not he will swap somebody out, whether or not he tries a different starting three and benches Eric Gordon, or tries a different starting five and benches Alper and Shingun, who knows? Again, Alpi is incredibly talented offensively, but he does struggle defensively. And I do still think, you know, again, it's not all on Alpi. There is, you know, some issues with the Rockets and their scheme as far as you know, how their perimeter guys are oriented, but at the same time, their scheme is built to help LP. And if the scheme is built to help LP and he's still struggling defensively, it's not a great sign. And then Eric Gordon, who I've, you know, muled about consistently as far as being a starter on this team still, just move him out of the starting lineup. That's it's it's time it needs to happen. Um coming up, I do want to talk about why this loss isn't the end of the world, right? Like I feel like Rockets fans are all doom and gloom and just, you know, super like in their feelings about this loss, and, like, it was a bad loss, but it, you don't have to be, you know, super crazy bummed out about it, and I want to talk about that in just one moment after a quick message from my friends over at ExpressVPN. So if you don't know about ExpressVPN, basically it protects your privacy and security online. It's a nice little VPN product, but here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office UK on Netflix, right? It's so simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, and change your location to the UK. Refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think that you are located. 
located. You can choose from almost a hundred different countries, so just imagine all the different Netflix libraries that you can go through. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. That's Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that ExpressVPN is the one to use is because it's ridiculously fast, there's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD without any problem. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on, expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I if you've made it to the third segment, shout out, kudos to you for slogging through a podcast about a Rockets blowout loss. And now we're here in the final segment. And you may be wondering, Jackson, there wasn't a Locked on Rockets player poll for this game. There wasn't even a Locked on Rockets player mentioned in the first two segments. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because I was frustrated with this loss. And I probably could have given, you know, made the poll and given Alp KPJ the chance to, you know, win, win the poll, whatever. But I have executive decisioned it. The Locked on Rockets player of the game from this one is whoever made the pizza from the pizza joint at Ball Arena that was absolutely delicious. Um, yeah, that was incredible. It was the best pizza I've ever had in any stadium anywhere ever. Uh, just some generic pizza joint. I posted about it on Twitter. And it was like this big old slice of pizza for $10. And it was so good that I ate the first slice in like two minutes flat and then immediately went back and got a second slice. That good. Ten bucks. It was like best stadium pizza I've ever had. So whoever made that stadium pizza or whoever is responsible, whatever, for that delicacy that I enjoyed at Ball Arena, that is your Locked on Rockets player of the game from this one. Um, God, sorry. I, I mean, like, again, I. it was one of these games where it's just like, yeah, Alpi and K, KPJ had a good game, good games offensively, but I, I wasn't... I was pretty bummed about their defensive effort in this one, right? And watching the the consistent breakdowns that the Rockets had on the defensive end, which is why I was just like, you know what? No LOR player of the game on this one, except for Pizza Man. He gets it. So he or she gets it, right? We're inclusive here at Locked on Rockets. Um, so as far as the as far as the loss goes, right? First off, I think it's important to note, this is only the second like blowout loss of the season for the Rockets, right? This is a team that is currently 5-16. and 16. They have 16 losses, and only two of them have been legitimate, quote-unquote, blowouts, right? Whereas last year, this Rockets team was getting blown out left, right, and center. They were getting blown out every other game. And it was, like, it was just painful to go through, right? You're sitting there and you're like, oh, down 20 again. They're not responding. Okay, cut the lead to 15, down 25. Like, no, this year they've been competitive. They've been in, you know, a majority of the games that they've, again, they've won five games, first off, and in the other, in 14 of their 16 losses, they've been largely competitive for at least, you know, a majority of the game or at least competitive for like a big half or three quarters and then the game kind of slips away from them, right? Which is understandable for a young team, right? They don't have somebody that they, that can truly execute for them down the stretch. Now, the OKC Thunder are another example of a really young team, right? But they have SGA to lean on heavily, you know, down the stretch of games. The Spurs are an example of another ridiculously young team 
but they're also coached by Greg Popovich. So it's like, talent-wise, yeah, the Rockets might have more talent pound for pound across their team that, than a team like San Antonio or like the Thunder, but those teams have some tools that kind of, you know, can explain some of their successes, especially late in games, whatever, being able to close stuff out because of Popovich or because of SGA, right? A top 20 player in the NBA. That's going to help you a little bit. And the other side of things is the trend that we've seen so far this season is when Jalen Green plays well and has like his strong nights, the Rockets look good and they look like a team that can compete with most of the teams in the NBA. And, you know, you still struggle to close things out, whatever. But when Jalen Green struggles... The Rockets is a team struggle, and that's pretty much how the NBA goes, right? If you're a star player, right, if if Luka Doncic rolls out of bed and has a crap game for the Mavericks, guess what? The Mavericks lose. Like, I I don't know if the stat holds true because it's I think it was from, like, you know, four or five days ago, but I saw a stat, like, the Mavericks haven't won a single game this season where Luka hasn't scored, like, 30-plus points or 34-plus points or something ridiculous like that, right? So we've been there. We've done that, right, where you see, you know, James Harden, right? If he has a bad night, the Rockets would lose. If he has a good night, Rockets win, or they're competitive. So it's not a bad trend that, like, hey, Jalen, he had two bad games against the Nuggets, and guess what? The Rockets struggled against the Nuggets. Look at that. In the first half of the first game, they had other guys who were contributing. They had, you know... And they, you know, the Nuggets weren't as locked in defensively, and so that's why it looked as good as it did there. But I don't think this is one of those losses that you immediately go, oh, you know, drastic changes need to be made. Steven Silas needs to be fired, all that stuff. Like, you know, those are p- potentially still valid options, and there might be reasons for those things to exist, you know, in another frame of thinking, right? Steven Silas may or may not still be the guy for this job, right? He's still got a lot to prove, and there's a lot going on there, and there's still a lot of question marks about his future with the Rockets, for sure, but this isn't a game that was, like, so bad that you're like, all right, somebody's got to be on the hot seat. There's got to be a scapegoat. Like, it's not. It's just the Rockets got blown out in the first quarter. They played the Nuggets pretty much even the rest of the way. Now, maybe you chalk that up to some of the fact that the Nuggets were kind of coasting up 20 and maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit, but that's that's what it was. Silas... KPJ, Jalen, they all talked about after the game, their readiness, their energy, um, and, you know, cannot be understated, the altitude is something that impacts players, you know, here in Denver, Um, you know, experiencing it for myself firsthand, it was like, dude, like, I mean, I know I'm not in the best shape, but like walking, like just downtown through Denver and stuff, like it's like you get winded really quick, and I, you know, obviously a professional athlete has a little bit of a leg up on me, but playing, you know, at your hardest in an NBA caliber game can be draining. Uh, and on top of that, you know, sometimes you just have it, you know, they're a young team. Sometimes mentally, whatever, you're preparing, they, you know, they've played this team Monday night, they practiced Tuesday, they shot around on Wednesday, and they had a game plan coming in, they, they felt confident about it, about their adjustments to try and slow down Jokic, and whether it was execution, whether it was just, you know, understanding of schemes, whether it was how the Nuggets countered, you know, the, the Nuggets had a better, you know, opening to the game. They came out strong. And the Rockets weren't able to respond in a big enough way to ever close the gap, right? They had the the push there at the top of the third quarter where it looked like they were able to kind of cut the lead from, what was it, 27 down to like 18, 19. Like they started kind of making a push. And every time the Rockets started to make a push, Nuggets had an answer, right? Whether it was a three, whether it was just a little, you know, midi bucket by Jokic, just something to kind of calm down the run and, and keep the Rockets at bay, keep them at distance. Sometimes you just get beat by a better team. And thankfully for the Rockets this season, that's only happened twice, where the Rockets have looked absolutely outclassed by their opponent. And that was the Milwaukee Bucks game, and now this game. For a team that is 
bottom of the standings like the Rockets are, you'd expect them to be getting blown out every single every other night, right? I actually want to, and I want to do this for a future episode. I want to look across the league at like the Magic and the Pistons and the Thunder and the Spurs and look at some of the other bottom, you know, of the standings teams to see how some of their losses look and how some of their losses stack up compared to the Rockets, right? Are they getting blown out, you know, in other games? Do they have more blowout losses than the Rockets do? Because that could be a good comparison as to how competitive these teams are because the loss call, you know, the win-loss column is one thing, but as far as a a level of game-to-game competitiveness, I do feel like this Rockets team is just night and day different and far and ahead of where they were last season, and that's progress. That's growth, and that's what you want to see out of these young guys. So, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think they've got a tough rest of this road trip coming up with the first game in Phoenix Friday night, and then they've got the game on the road Saturday night, back-to-back in the Bay. So Suns-Warriors is a brutal road trip, and then they come home, and things do not slow down because they'll come home and have to face the 76ers and James Harden in Houston on Monday night. So the schedule doesn't get much easier, but I do expect at least the competitive nature of this Rockets team to bounce back uh, in the Phoenix Suns game, they're not going to just walk out and get blown out by the Suns. I'm calling that right now. We're looking at a competitive game against the Phoenix Suns. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for our next episode. We should have our weekly co-host, Ali Kambijani, joining us to kind of break down some of what's going on with the Rockets defense. We're going to do all that. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like comment and describe and like comment i said like comment and describe that's not it like comment and subscribe i am clearly lacking caffeine here at the end of the podcast but with that thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening we look forward to having you back right here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball